Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. You can find me on Instagram at Lonnie Swain, L-O-N-I-S-W-A-I-N. The podcast is on Instagram as well, at Lonnie Swain Show. And you can listen, subscribe, rate, and share us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Now, today's guest on the show is licensed professional counselor, Kristen Machado. Kristen earned a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology at Charles. Southern University, just outside of Charleston. She went on to attend graduate school at Wheaton College Graduate School in Wheaton, Illinois. And she took part in a continuing education program with the New Orleans Birmingham Psychoanalytic Center. She is currently based in her hometown of Charleston, South Carolina. My inspiration for this podcast came when a very close friend of mine recently unexpectedly lost her mother. And I realized that I have a lot of friends who have lost their mothers both recently and quite some time ago. And I was thinking I would love to do a podcast to talk about, you know, the grieving process and with Mother's Day coming up, how they can prepare and best be supported. And interestingly enough, I didn't specifically know any grief counselors offhand. And I went to a yoga class and Kristen, I saw your flight. So the power of intention setting and law of attraction and synchronicity, I think, is amazing. And I'm so glad that I found you. And I'm really hoping that with our intentions of giving some support, that our intentions will be met with this podcast. I totally agree. I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction. And I think those cards were at that yoga studio maybe as long as six to eight months ago. So I think it was meant to be. And I have a feeling that there are people who need to hear this and we were meant to be connected to talk about all these things and support some people going through a tough holiday coming up and a tough season of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What would you say are some of the common ways that people experience grief after the loss of a parent or some of the Mm -hmm. unexpected ways? Well, I think, you know, everyone can imagine that that losing a parent is something we we usually are very afraid of feeling. And so when it happens, there's obviously tremendous sadness. But something that's sometimes unexpected for people is when they don't have those moments of sadness. So mm-hmm. they may approach a, a Mother's Day and expect to feel maybe their worst day that they've felt. And maybe it's not quite like they thought they would feel. I think for some people, it is just as sad as they anticipated. But for others, there are other days that are actually more painful. Sometimes a random day will have kind of underlying reasons, you know, they're specific to that individual. But sometimes these holidays are not quite as difficult in the same way that we think that they'll be difficult. Mm-hmm. And what are some some identifiers that are signs that someone is grieving? Because I don't think it always looks like crying sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's very true. Grief and depression are something I think people, even clinicians, get confused on of where where is grief and where is depression and where are the lines on those. And what they say with depression is that it 
tends to be a little bit longer lasting and without a lot of relief. And what's interesting about grief, a lot of times it can come in waves. Mm. So sure, you may have days where it's very difficult to get out of bed or you're crying a lot, but there's these moments where it sort of lessens. And at those times, we might start having happier feelings about our loved ones, or maybe we get distracted with some of our other things in life, and then we we find ourselves getting triggered again. So there's sort of an up and down to grief Mm -hmm. that I think is kind of an exhausting experience for people. And what makes it even trickier is that a lot of times in my practice, what I see with people dealing with depression is they are experiencing a grief of some kind. Mm -hmm. So it gets complicated. This is why we keep studying psychology and we keep digging deeper to try to better understand what's happening for us. So grief can get very complicated very easily because you lose somebody and then you have to deal with the loss of not just that person in your life, but things you might do together or uh, things that remind you of your time together. And so there's, there's this up and down where sometimes you have these memories that bring a lot of joy. And then sometimes those memories give it a tremendous sense of loss. Mm-hmm. And is there a proper way to grieve? Because I've had some friends say, you know, they immediately broke down the, the moment that they found mm-hmm. out. Or some people say, you know, it is more little waves of sadness, but there's never a big breakdown and feeling that concern of they don't want this to pop up six years from now and say, oh, well, you right. never properly grieve the loss of your parents. Yeah, I would say that there's not necessarily a morally right or wrong way to grieve, but I think there can be constructive ways versus destructive ways. And my encouragement always with whatever emotional thing we are going through is to allow ourselves to feel whatever it is that we're feeling. I think where we cause complications for ourselves and our mental health is when we don't let ourselves feel tremendous sadness if that's what we're feeling or to feel numb if that's what we're feeling. Um, We just don't want to run away from whatever the emotional experience is. Okay. So what would be some examples of constructive versus destructive ways to to do it? Numbing out is one of the first things that comes to mind. The body has a natural way of dissociating is what it's called. It's one of the top three ways that we cope with what happens in life. And it's a way that we kind of make it through. You know, sometimes you need a little bit of numbing out to sadly make funeral arrangements or handle a will. And, And that can be a helpful time period. But if it goes too long, I that's what I hear you saying when you mentioned before that people worry about their grief lasting too long or not ever really facing it. So it's helpful if you can have a place, oftentimes a therapist is a good resource to be able to talk about those very painful parts. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my clients, you know, this is just one hour for you to face your grief. And then you can go back to your real world and and do the things you do to kind of make it through the week. So it can be helpful to have set periods of time to really constructively talk about what you're truly feeling underneath. Mm-hmm. And I think having those moments with friends, family, good supportive 
connections are a very vital part of constructively grieving. And with the numbing, how can we identify if someone is doing that? Is it specific things like drinking or smoking or partying or is it just, you know, not ever really acknowledging it or how would how would we know that? Well, I think we all do it in in our own unique ways. You know, some of us are drawn to those more outward ways of numbing out, drinking, smoking, sexual activity, you know, going out a lot, spending a lot of money, kind of those, what you might think of as manic ways of coping. Mm-hmm. And then Retail other, therapy. That's yes, the one I yes. think, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at a certain level, those things are minorly deconstructive, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you go out and, you know, spend $50, you know, at, at Marshalls or something versus thousands of dollars at a casino, you know, there's there's levels of it. Mm -hmm. And the thing, the disclaimer I'll say about all of this is that in a lot of ways, who are we to judge? I think that's really important that, that I hope that we can really support each other and give each other a place to feel safe enough to not have to run to those things. But people may need to go through a process. And my hope is that as as supportive friends and family, we can help our our loved ones who who are going through the loss of someone to feel safe and feel supported and not need to go to the extremes. Mm -hmm. Um, But people do have their own process and we'll probably touch on the judgment element at some point in this conversation because it's so important for people to feel safe or I think they will lend themselves toward those more extreme deconstructive ways of coping. Absolutely. If someone is coming up on their first Mother's Day without mom, what are some ways, like maybe three tips that you could offer that you might give a client to prepare for Mother's Day after losing their mom? I would start with encouraging them to not ignore that the holiday is approaching and to maybe even find ways to embrace the day as much as they feel that they can. Mm-hmm. So this might look like, you know, calling up a, a sibling or a family member or even a good friend that can help you acknowledge Mother's Day in a way that would feel meaningful to you. So I think the first tip would be to embrace the day. Don't ignore it. Don't try to pretend that it's not there because you're going to see Hallmark commercials on TV and things around town and Mother's Day brunches. And it's it's going to be in your face, I think, no matter how how much you want to not have that experience. And, and that's where that avoidance comes in is avoiding it is actually not going to help you solve and, and feel and work through the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of one of the, the quotes you'll hear around my counseling world is that the quickest way is through. So you kind of have to go through it in order to truly be able to live a free and fulfilling life. So embrace the day. Don't, don't try to pretend like it's not going to happen because there will be Mother's Day and other holidays that are, are going to come through the calendar year. So mm-hmm. embrace it is, mm-hmm. is my number one tip, I think. Okay. Um, I would also say my number two tip would be to be open to all the emotions you might feel while you're going through that holiday. And and that's what I was saying earlier is sometimes that means you're not feeling as sad as you thought you would, but be Mm -hmm. curious about it and, and allow yourself to feel what it is. And you might also feel 
tremendously sad and and really need to cry and grieve and work through all of the emotions and the memories that are coming up. And it might even get to moments of anger or, um, you know, resentment or, or anxiety and fears about, you know, spiritual implications of what, what happens next in our lives, or there may be all kinds of intense emotions that come up. So I would say to really be open to what you feel. And that ties into my number three tip, which is to feel what you feel and embrace the day without any judgment and to take very good care of yourself. So self-compassion and self-care is, again, a very important part of any emotional experience we're going through. With that judgment piece, I think that it brings up another issue of sometimes hearing people feel guilty about not feeling sad or enjoying the day when they feel like, oh, you know, I just lost my mother. Or I just lost this loved one. And I'm having, I'm celebrating something else and feeling like bad about that. Yeah, I mean, isn't it a complicated day because we can be mothers ourselves who have lost mothers. So we might be losing a mom while we're celebrating our own motherhood. And it's, it's both. It's not either or. They're not mutually exclusive. So it does create a very complex emotional experience. And that's where that, that, removing judgment and lots of self-compassion, lots of self-care, being very gentle on ourselves, making sure we're doing things to take good care of ourselves is going to be very important. What are some ways that family and friends can support a loved one that is mourning the loss of their mother? I always recommend starting with just being a very empathic and active listener. And this is something our society really struggles with. Being a good listener is far from advice giving and it's far from comparison. Instead, it's about really paying attention to our loved ones, really listening to what they're saying asking questions to clarify what they mean, validating how they feel, you know, things like, of course you feel this way, you know, of Mm -hmm. course this is challenging, or of course you feel happiness. Your mom was wonderful. And here you are as a mom Mm -hmm. to really, it's really about hearing what your friend or your family member is going through. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we get caught up in our own experience or how we think we would handle it. Right. And what we really need to do is turn it toward what's my friend feeling, you know, even what's my sibling, sibling feeling. So if we've lost a mother together, my sibling might be feeling something different than what I'm feeling. So right. being able to really focus on the other is really important. Mm-hmm. Any tips of things to avoid doing or saying, like I've heard you definitely want to avoid saying, oh, I can imagine what you're going through or things like putting yourself in their shoes when you haven't necessarily experienced it. Would you say that's one or do you have other things? Well, I think that I think that that's definitely an area where it can get a little dicey, it's a little risky to say I I, I understand because mm-hmm. um, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I think things that are more along the lines of I can only imagine how that is for you are about as far as I'd recommend going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be about really trying to say back to them. Reflective listening is really important. You'll kind of hear this when people um, maybe 
tease about couples counseling, you know, I heard you say, and then you fill in the blank. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. that, actually. Being a good friend and a good listener is hearing them say, you know, whatever they're saying to be able to reflect it back exactly to them of what they've said is very powerful. People want to be understood. A lot of what I do in the therapy room is just simply listening and understanding someone. And again, this is such an experience that's very rare in our culture that when we feel really seen and and paid attention to and understood, it's very healing for us. So by contrast, some of the things to avoid saying would be derailing from just listening and derailing from validating someone's experience. So something I'll hear people say sometimes is, well, at least. And anytime you're starting a sentence with at least, I'm nervous at where it's headed because what people will say is, well, at least you had 40 years with your mom. Mm-hmm. Or at least you had a mom who's so great. Mm-hmm. But that does not feel very good for us when we're in the the moment of losing someone or we're in emotional pain. Mm-hmm. What it does is it makes it feel like we shouldn't be feeling the way we're feeling. It has a mm-hmm. sort of a, a backlash, I guess, unintentionally, I think, by most people. Mm-hmm. So avoid saying anything like at least. Okay. That's one of my number one tips. I do hear that a lot and it's very painful for people. The other tip I would give is to not avoid the topic. I think some people get afraid that they'll remind someone that their significant other or their mother has passed away. And I can promise you that you have not reminded them that they've passed away. So being able to say things like, I know it's Mother's Day. How are you doing? Is very loving and very kind. And, and they, might, they might have an angry reaction, but that's not because of a bad question. That's because anger is oftentimes part of our grief. Mm-hmm. So avoiding the topic just doesn't work. Actually, I think it was um, the, the, one of the CEOs of uh, a Facebook. I'm blanking on her name. She wrote that book, Lean In. Are you familiar oh, with yes. it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Sheryl Sandberg, I believe. Yes. So Sheryl Sandberg wrote this book called Plan B after her husband suddenly passed away. And I had the privilege of hearing her speak in New Orleans. And she definitely blatantly said, I promise you won't remind me that he's passed away. It's okay to ask. I want you to ask. I think about him all the time, especially on things like Father's Day. So when it's Mother's Day, ask. Ask how they're doing and how they're feeling and how you can support them. Don't avoid the topic. She was a great speaker and really gave a lot of insight of of what it's like to go through something so sudden and um, and the process of grief. And that's really a good recommendation for people that have had something like this happen to them. Uh, I think it's a great book for all kinds of things, but especially for loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great point because I know I sometimes tiptoe around the subject when speaking to someone, especially if it is um, a new situation, just because I don't know if they want to talk about it and I don't want to feel mm-hmm. like I'm pressuring them to talk about it. And so usually my approach is the wait and see, like wait and see if they mention it and then I'll be available to listen, but not initiating the 
the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes that may be taken the wrong way or the opposite way. Like, oh, you know, she didn't even ask me about how I was doing for Mother's Day. And she knows that my mother just passed away or something like that. But I think for me, it's kind of not wanting to put someone in an uncomfortable position to talk about something that they may not be ready or willing to talk about. I think that's a very common experience for all of us, myself included, even as being a therapist, I never want someone to feel on the spot or to feel that they have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, not talking about it could send the wrong message. Right. So I think sometimes it's just better to say, look, it's Mother's Day. And I was thinking of you and I hope you're doing well. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. And if not, and we need to just go for a walk around the neighborhood or do something different, let me know how I can support you. Mm-hmm. And that really actually ties into my number three of avoiding assuming your way of coping is the way that they're going to cope. So ask them, be sensitive to what works for them. Um, mm-hmm. I actually see this happen when people say things like, oh, I want to pray for this person, or can I pray for you, or can I pray with you? And I think that comes from such a loving place of wanting to be supportive. But religion is not always people's way for comfort. And oftentimes when we lose a loved one or we go through difficult times, we have to deal with spiritual and religious issues and challenges that come up you know, Mm -hmm. loss of faith or doubt in our faith. So Mm -hmm. just be cautious about using your own ways of comfort, even if that means the gym, you know, hey, do you want to go work out? Not everyone's going to want to go work out as a way to emotionally work through what they're going through. So it's always good to just ask, you know, how can I help you? Or what do you need? How can I support you? And they may not always know, Mm -hmm. but I think it's good practice to ask. It's good to not assume. And it's good for them to be thinking of ways that they can be supported and ways that they need to take care of themselves. Love that. And in wrapping up, just thinking about it, are there any exercises that you do with clients or have them do independently to kind of make sure that they are checking in because something that I've realized about myself as of recently is that I am mostly in my head and very Mm. rarely in my feelings. So I've just been going Mm. through this journey of checking in with myself of how do I feel? How do I feel in my body? So I think that if someone is not familiar with doing that or in in a regular practice of doing that and being able to call feelings and emotions by their names, like I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling Mm -hmm. sad, I'm feeling, you know, um, disappointed, resentful, you know, they they may not know exactly what they're feeling. And if they don't know what they're feeling, it's harder for them to articulate it. So I think maybe some exercises that the person can do independently or with a loved one to kind of check in with themselves and and help themselves through the healing process. Mm-hmm. Well, it is such a it's such a thing for us, isn't it, to to intellectualize what's going on instead of being able to feel what we're feeling and express our feelings. We we do go to the thoughts before feelings idea, yeah. and I, yeah, it's it's such a common thing. Again, I think our society is struggling with this. So. 
by experientially being in therapy, a lot of people find that they develop the skill set of being able to connect to their feelings much more easily. Mm-hmm. So I experientially help people learn this because this is exactly what we talk about in therapy. I will ask them, how are you feeling? And they'll say, well, I think that this is what's going on. And I'll say, okay, well, how are you feeling? And they, right. they eventually start developing it. It's so like, what's that having, feeling? You know, yeah. how, how do you do that? Yeah. And so, so therapy is a great way to practice with a professional who will help you learn how to learn what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to do that with friends and family who can, I guess, take on the same challenge. You know, it's mm-hmm. something we can all benefit from doing. We can all get better at it. So I think having loved ones who are on the same page with you can be a helpful way. Journaling can be a great resource and a, a good way to get the ball rolling. Although I do think there's a, it's easy to slip into intellectualizing on everything, thinking versus feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's something to be mindful of. You could find ways to maybe make yourself little reminders. But again, a lot of the work I do with my clients, mostly because of my particular specialty in psychoanalytic psychotherapy, is very experiential. So I don't do a lot of homework with people or a lot of, I guess, practical, experiential training. It's very much a healing experience that happens between myself and my patients. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, I know you're based in South Carolina. Yeah, I think the easiest way to get a hold of me is probably through my website. It's www.kristencouncils.com. And it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-S.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at, at Kristen Councils. And then the good old-fashioned telephone is always easy. It's 843-214-9389. And I also have email. So email kristencouncils at gmail.com. And regardless of how you connect with me, I always offer a free phone consultation to talk about what you're going through. Maybe it's grief, like we've been talking about today, or it can be relational issues, career issues long-term depression and anxiety. A lot of people who see me are people who have tried therapy before or didn't feel like it would work for them. And my style being a unique approach that is not as often taught, oftentimes is, is a really good approach for people who just didn't think therapy would work for them. So if that's what you're wondering about and thinking as a listener, you know, feel free to call me because if I'm not the right person, I'll get you to the right person. But that phone consultation gives you an idea of what it's like to work with me and what our kind of regimen would be like and what's kind of a realistic expectation of how long it would take to feel better and and what your goals are and all those kinds of things. And so if you could just briefly kind of explain how your practice differs from traditional counseling. Sure. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the experience with a psychoanalytic therapist is pretty notably different than other types of therapy. So in other practices and other with other counselors, you may be getting a little more input up front. Um, you may be getting some exercises, some deep breathing techniques, some muscle relaxation, visualizations, and all those things are really good coping strategies. 
what sets psychoanalytic psychotherapy apart is we're dealing with the underlying root causes of why we do the things we do and feel the way we feel. So, for example, if someone's dealing with grief, there's a certain level of in-the-moment loss of a loved one, but it's likely going to bring up an entire history of other things that have gone on, previous losses, previous relationships, the relationship with the person who passed away, the relationship with those around everyone, and it gets very complicated very quickly. And that's why specialized training in this approach is so powerful. So my training helps me better understand why we do what we do and where to explore and where to get curious. Um, And it's a very powerful approach in that the research shows that with other therapies, people feel better in the moment. But when they stop going to therapy, they tend to start having their symptoms come back. With psychoanalytic therapy, people who who attend sessions with me are making changes that are so, so much deeper underneath the surface that when they're out of therapy, they continue to get better and they continue to reduce their symptoms, even when they're not in regular therapy with me anymore. And that right there is, I think, one of the most rewarding parts of what I do. I mean, in in a business sense, it's not a good strategy. I really work (laughs) myself out of a job, but it's very rewarding to help people find this freedom that they didn't think they could have before being in session with me. Well, thank you so very much, Kristen. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your expertise and insight. Well, I appreciate it, Lonnie. I'm so glad you found my card. I'm glad we connected even being apart. And I really, I'm just excited to, um, to have this out there. And I, I believe like we've started this off, I believe with the, that the law of attraction exists and that there are people that needed to hear what we talked about today. Absolutely. I hope that this information was helpful to you or will be helpful to someone that you know. Please give your feedback. Let me know what you thought and share it with someone you think needs to hear it. Sending so much love and support to anyone going through this Mother's Day without their mom. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.